Hello everyone, my name is Rochelle Innocent and I'm the founder and CEO of Project Purpose. Welcome to our channel. Our community is focused on fostering the intellectual and character development in children. We do this through our parent-child workshops that are focused on four themes, autonomy, self-efficacy, compassion, and self-concept in order to cultivate grit, perseverance, and resilience in each child. And we are so thrilled to be offering one of the first of its kind, digital, virtual, and continuous learning environments, enabling parents and children to connect from all around the world. At Project Purpose, our overarching mandate is to renew and rebuild family, community, and relationships. Our different social media platforms provide us with an opportunity to have discussions and to create space on all topics that relate to family, community, and relationships with ourselves as well as with others, with a primary focus on mental health and education. More precisely, the ways that the institutions of mental health and education play a role and have played a role in our societies at large. These discussions and debates provide us with an opportunity to think critically about what needs to change within these structures for us to live up to our bold slogan, support, protect, and empower each child through youth-focused development, better known as leadership in juvenescence. We recognize that in valuing our children's leadership potential, this also translates as recreating and co-creating environments, both socially and politically, that will enable our children to thrive. For those of you who are particularly keen on the topic, we also write thought pieces every other Sunday. We have a thought piece scheduled to drop this upcoming Sunday, so definitely be sure to meander over to the website and check out our online content. Now, if it is the case that you are looking for a listening alternative, well, we're available on 12 different podcast platforms for your listening leisure, and we've provided you with access to the links in the description down below. Now, as is the convention, be sure to subscribe, hit that post notification bell so that you are aware of every time we post. And of course, if you like these conversations and you want to keep them going, like, comment, and share this segment. Let's get into it. Hello, Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another segment here on Project Purpose. For those of you who are new, we cover topics that relate to mental health, mental wellness, and education on a week-by-week -week basis. And today, our topic of discussion is mental wellness. And on the topic of mental wellness this week, I want to keep it light and fun, but still, I think, informative. I want to talk about the illusory effects of desirability. And what does that mean, the illusory effects of desirability? I want to talk about some of the misconceived notions, some of the ideas we get in our head when someone has traits that we find desirable. So when someone has traits, whether they're physical traits, whether they're personality traits that we find desirable, we make these entire narratives about their entire lives and we have these grand assumptions about the lives they must lead because they have these desirable traits that we ourselves would like, right? And sometimes I think the byproduct of envy which I guess is the undertone of this conversation when it is the case that we envy someone, which means we feel that, you know, we would want the traits that they have or we don't feel that they deserve the traits that they have. That's typically attached to the life you assume that they're leading because of those traits. And so I wanna debunk some of the comical misconceptions that I have heard from people who thought that I had different traits that they, 
themselves thought were desirable, which of course is a compliment, but I think that, you know, the narrative around the trade is, is not complimentary, it's entirely false, and it creates a lot of unnecessary contempt, right? So I think when it is the case that we have these assumptions that people live specific lives because of the traits that they carry, I think it can allow us to fall into a, a way of thinking that isn't helpful to us, but also isn't helpful to build and create connections with new people who have traits that you yourself admire. So all of that to say, let's just jump right into them. And again, I want to keep this light and comical, but it's still like serious because I think a lot of us, and even if they're not the traits that I mentioned in today's video, a lot of us have a lot of assumptions about the people who carry traits that we admire and that we desire. And not all of us admire and desire the same traits, but many of us have contempt towards people who do have the traits that we admire and desire if we feel that we ourselves are unable to attain those traits or do not have those traits that are physical. So I think a caveat to this conversation is everything that you have is enough. And I think when you look at people from a scarcity mindset, you assume that what someone's gain is your is your, is your your lack, right? And I think that we need to recognize that there's room for all of us, all of our individuality, which means we don't need to be envious about the traits that we don't have. We can focus on the traits that we do. So figured I'd start off with that little, you know, service, th that little public service announcement before we kick it off into today's segment. So a universal assumption that I've heard across the board about the most baseline trait, which is physical attraction. If someone is physically attractive, we always assume they must lead wonderful, positive, happy lives. And this is because a lot of the dogmas, a lot of the narratives, a lot of the traditions and norms make these grand assumptions that if you're good looking, then that means that you have like a perfect life that has no problems, that has no issues. And we assume those biases and those beliefs on the people around us. And this couldn't be further from the truth. And I think that there's a lot of conversation around pretty privilege. And I wanna talk about the underbelly of pretty privilege. Yes, I think that for those who have different features that others might find physically attractive, that there can be benefits, like there can be allowances and flexibility in certain areas, but it also comes with a lot of pitfalls that I'm not sure anyone really thinks about and I remember when I was living in France I was having a conversation with a colleague and I had just gotten cat called really aggressively really rudely by this one man in the street and I was brushing it off and she looked at me and she was just like well no man ever notices me no man ever you know calls on me at all like whatsoever and there was a little bit of uh, a note of bitterness in her voice and I was like I mean that might mean that you attract men who are more respectful, but I don't see how anyone could have contempt or resentment towards the women who are attracting negative attention without trying to. And I realized that, you know, for those who don't receive a lot of negative attention from the opposite or from the same sex or from the sex that they're looking to get attention from, that it can feel like you're missing out when you see people complaining and having issues with the fact that they attract negative attention. But recognize that attracting negative attention is scratching the surface to all of the different situations that that generates, right? And pretty privilege, again, there's an underbelly to it. I think that no one wants to attract negative attention. Maybe there's violence that comes with that, right? So where there is privilege, there can be also consequences, right? So if you're attracting attention, you're also attracting attention from people all across the board. So people who maybe don't know what no means right? They don't believe that once they've objectified you that you have the ability to be human and to you know show human traits and I think that it's just really important that we recognize that for all of the bells and whistles that you assume attraction 
garnishes, recognize that it attracts a lot of undue consequences as well. Tension can be very dangerous depending on who's attention you're gaining. It can be very dangerous depending on some of the social disparity that makes rejection seem all the more acute. So I think just having some compassion and some empathy for the people who are getting the cat calls and the people who are getting that aggressive negative attention because it's not fun and sometimes it's downright scary. <laughs> Another fallacy is just the idea that someone who has a trait that you admire, like they have this quality that really impresses you and that you really are attracted to, that doesn't mean that they're completely healthy, right? So I think we need to recognize that all of us are like our fingerprints, right? We're very individualistic in the way that our traits and our personality comes across. And we could have one trait that's like a beautiful trait, but if it's mixed matched with other traits, it can translate in really ugly ways too. So I think just assuming that because someone has a specific trait that automatically makes them this wonderful human being. I think that that is really flawed logic that can really get you trapped in a web of confusion, right? Because you're going to keep coming back to this idea, well, this trait means this. And it's like the traits don't mean anything other than what the person's behavior is informing you of the meaning of those specific traits. I mean, there's no universal rule that someone with a given trait is going to act or is expected to behave in a certain way. And I think that if we continuously govern ourselves with these unspoken, unverified, un realistic rules, then we're always going to set ourselves up for failure. So I think it's really important that we recognize that desirable traits doesn't mean altogether a desirable person. Even the most unsavory individual can have traits that are really desirable, right? So we just need to really take our time, feel the person out, get a real sense of who that person is as an individual before we make any choices that might impact us in the long run. And last but not least, the illusions of desirability. Just because someone's desirable to you doesn't mean that you're desirable to them. And this is the bitter pill that no one really wants to swallow because we always want to assume that the object of our affection would mirror our affection. And I think that it's realistic though painful to hear that that's not always the case, right? Your ideal might not be the ideal of the person that you're idealizing, right? And also recognizing that idealizing people to some extent is a form of objectification. Those exercises that we probably shouldn't be involving ourselves in, or we should at least, you know, temper ourselves just a little bit, but it's important to recognize that we all have a right, we have a choice to like and be attracted to who we are or aren't attracted to. And so for me, Specifically, I can tell you there's no rule or science to who or to who I'm attracted to. Like physically, I mean, it's a presence thing. Real, real broad generalizations like, you know, race, ethnicity, like those things really don't inform my attraction. Like that for me, I'm such an individualist. Like you as an individual is going to be what attracts me and what doesn't. So your package as an individual, your presence as an individual, your personality as an individual will be what attracts me. There's no carbon copy of what Rochelle is attracted to. And I think that that can be really a misguided way of trying to find love if you have a carbon copy and you can't seem to find attraction outside of that like and again physically there are certain like physical attributes that i like but there's not like a physical archetype that is like my archetype and i would assume that that's the same for most people if i want to come on here and i want to talk about that because i think desirability doesn't need to duplicate itself desirability can shift and evolve as we shift and evolve as human beings and 
and I, I think that it's important for me to say that because I think that, you know, especially for me, my dating history has been so eclectic. I've dated people from all over the world, you know, and I've not dated like a lot of people, but enough people from different backgrounds that I hope that anyone who is like looking at my dating history would see that it's really about the person. It's really about their presence, who they are as individuals, and less about like what they come packaged in, if you get my drift. In any case, that's it. That's it for today, but definitely not all. I hope that it was amusing, but also informative. I wanted to give it a little bit of a comic tone. I want to lighten up the videos a little bit. The last four have been a little bit heavy, so today's video is a little bit of a shift. Now, before letting you go, I would be remiss if I didn't let you know that we will be going live at least twice a month, every month for the foreseeable future on our Facebook page, so definitely be sure to tune in. Now these events are paid events, so if you do see yourself participating in our community on an ongoing basis, then I do suggest that you take a look at one of our package plans. Yes, so we do offer package plans over and above our live events, as well as access to webinars and workshops largely focused on self-mastery over and above these events. So definitely be sure to check it out. Be part of our game changer community, being part of the change that you want to see, allowing us a small role to play in your journey. We are on the road to 1K, so we invite you all to check us out. Follow us across all of our social media platforms, and we look forward to chatting with all of you very soon. We'll talk to you later. I just feel like the world's into me.